friends, we find ourselves in the midst of issues and circumstances that call forth the very best from us. As citizens of this nation, as human beings, as followers of Jesus. I want to begin today with a direct quote. So listen. I hope that every American, regardless of where he lives, will stop and examine his conscience about this and other related incidents. This nation was founded by people of many nations and backgrounds. It was founded on the principle that all are created equal and that the rights of every person are diminished when the rights of one person are threatened. We face, therefore, a moral crisis as a country and as a people. It cannot be met by repressive police action. It cannot be left to increase demonstrations in the streets. It cannot be quieted by, to by token moves or talk. It's time to act in the Congress, in your state and local legislative body, and above all, in all of our daily lives. End quote. That comes from President John F. Kennedy in a televised speech to the whole nation in response to the racial injustice and the unrest at the University of Alabama in June 1963. Exactly 57 years ago this month. And very little seems to have changed. The world is still struggling and that word is still unbelievably pertinent. We need to examine our conscience. We face a moral crisis as a country and as a people, especially Christian people. It cannot be met by more repressive police actions. It cannot be solved by demonstrations in the street. It's time to act. Our Bible text for today is from Mark. I'm reading from chapter 8, and I'm beginning with verse 22 through 26. This is a story about Jesus. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva in his eyes and laid his hands on him he asked him can you see anything and the man looked up and said I can see people but they look like trees walking and then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly then Jesus sent him away to his home, saying, Do not even go into the village. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For once, Jesus' attempt to heal someone seems to be not immediately successful. Maybe that's why Matthew and Luke leave this story out of their 
Gospels. Why did it take Jesus two touches to heal the blind man? Yet this two-stage movement, this two-step healing of the blind man is the very point of this story, I think. Because as we know, there's blindness, and then there is blindness. There's not seeing physical blindness when eyes don't work, when light and images and objects cannot be seen. And then there is figurative blindness when, when we can see, but we don't really see. Blindness is also when we see, but don't grasp what's happening. When we see, but do not see what's really important or what's really dangerous or what's really painful or what's reality or what is the injustice. Jesus always had a special concern for blindness. When he first appears on the scene, he says, it's in Luke 4, he's come to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and to recover the sight of the blind. Well, this passage is about seeing, recovery of sight, to the blind. It is a miracle story, and Jesus uses saliva, a common home remedy, and Jesus asks the man if he can see. The blind man affirms that he can see partially. I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Jesus then touched him a second time, and the text says he saw everything clearly. We've been blind for so long. 57 years ago, Kennedy said we need to examine our conscience. Today, we face a moral crisis as a country, as a people, especially Christian people. It cannot be met by repressive police action. It cannot be left to demonstrations in the streets. It's time to act. We've been blind for so long. We, you and I, I'm pretty sure, have known about racial disparity and racial injustice for a long time. We have known that our culture has stacked the odds against black people. Fewer educational opportunities, fewer economic opportunities, we have known that so many children, especially African-American children in our very city, are not getting the education they deserve. We have known about extensive legislation across the decades, legislation that has left blacks far behind whites. We have known about systemic racism baked into our American culture for centuries, creating barriers for black people. And we're learning about more and more. We've known that if you grew up in Richmond, in Windsor Farms, for example, your life expectancy would be significantly longer 
than someone who grew up in Creighton Court, not five miles away. We've known that African-American children, especially boys, have to have the talk, the talk, which is how to act if the police ever stop you so you don't get shot, so you don't get beat up, so you don't get unfairly charged or worse. We've known about Michael Brown and Tamir Rice and Trayvon Martin and Eric Gardner and others. And more recently, we've known about Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, Floyd and Rayshard Brooks. Jesus asks if we can see. We can see people, but they look like trees walking. We can see the news. We can see the history of racism. We can see the inadequacies, the inequalities. We can see the injustices. But are we seeing clearly? Are we? In one of his sermons in the book Strength to Love, which a number of us are reading in these days, King says, and I quote, blindness is often the trouble. Enlightenment is the real need. King even says that Saul was not an evil person when he persecuted Christians. He thought he was right as a devout Jew doing what he was doing. He was devoid of enlightenment, King says. The church people who thought so passionately about God that they had to resist science, whether it was Copernicus or Darwin or even modern vaccines, were not mischievous people, but misinformed people lacking enlightenment. And King goes on to say that slavery was not perpetuated by human badness, but by human blindness. People formulated elaborate theories, elaborate laws, elaborate justification to justify oppression and slavery, giving moral sanction to slavery. It was all rooted in blindness, blindness to justice, blindness to racial equality, blindness to God's plans for liberty and peace and wholeness for all God's children. Jesus asks if we can see clearly. Are we seeing? And then finally finding ourselves enlightened? Or are we not really seeing with clarity, with conviction, with courage to act as God's people? We've seen the presentations by John Meeser about the racist history of Richmond, learned about redlining, heard about the interstate, cut right through prosperous African-American community Jackson Ward. We've seen how poverty has settled in certain districts because of discrimination and unfair laws. We've learned about the legal system and more pro police brutality that targets unfairly people of color. 
We've learned about mass incarceration as the new Jim Crow. You know all about this, right? Trying to see? We've also have the monuments in our city. We see the monuments to Confederate soldiers and leaders seen their beauty, we have, but even maybe said they're noble. They represent heritage, not hate, we've heard. We see, but remember, Jesus asked, can you see anything? Yes, maybe in these days, we're finally seeing, maybe. We hope, we pray, by God's grace, we're finally seeing. We are seeing, once again, the moral crisis that is upon us. We are seeing the long effects of oppressive and restrictive policies and practices that take a huge toll on people of color. We are seeing, finally, the racial injustices that have been so pervasive in our society. We are seeing what Martin Luther King wrote about from the Birmingham jail. We know, he says, through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. We must come to see, says King, that justice too long delayed is justice denied. What we are seeing in these days is the passionate plea for justice, for equal treatment, for no more police brutality. What we are seeing, and it's shameful that it's taking us this long, is the disproportionate effect of life on African Americans and Latinos, the disproportionate effect on them from COVID-19, for example. What we are seeing is the desperate cry, the desperate cry that we be one nation, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, not just for those with a certain skin color. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. But we keep making and passing laws, systemically racist laws that left a certain segment of our people behind. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, but we kept our boot on the throat of a whole segment of our people and lately a knee, a knee on the neck. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, but we kept building prisons and locking up so many more blacks and browns. Jesus taught if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other. Instead, we turned on the fire hoses, turned on the tear gas, let loose the rubber bullets, or maybe chase people away so we could get a photo op with a Bible in front of a church. Brian Stevenson of the Equal Rights Initiative often says that the Southerners, the Confederates, lost the war, but they won the narrative. The narrative has been that the Southern cause, slavery and more, was noble. He also says that the Southerners won the aesthetic, that losers get to think and act like winners. So their loser leaders deserve elaborate and noble statues. 
Martin Luther King, again from the Birmingham jail, said this, we will win our freedom. We will win our freedom because the sacred heritage of our nation, equality and justice, and the eternal will of God are embodied in the echoing demands of justice. I think we know in our hearts that that is right. The sacred heritage of this nation and the eternal will of God are embodied in those echoing demands for racial justice, for equal treatment under the law, for liberty and peace and wholeness for all God's people. Maybe we're finally seeing we hope and pray so. Our faith affirms page after page in Scripture that equality and justice are for all. Our faith affirms liberation and possibility for all. Jesus came to give sight to the blind, that's us, and set the oppressed free. That's 400 years of shameful history that has kept so many disadvantaged and held down and oppressed and burdened and imprisoned. Seeing, seeing, we then have work to do for change that benefits all God's children. Seeing, we have work to do. For centuries, African Americans have been relegated to so much less than human. Three-fifths of a person is actually the designation. So many laws, so many limitations through the decades. All of this has to make God so sad, so discouraged, so angry. We have to make every effort to dismantle racism, which is so much a part of each of us, baked into each of us. We have been complicit in this journey of oppression. We have been part of a culture that treats people vastly unequally. We have to confess our sinfulness, our failures, in what we have not seen and strive to see more clearly. We have a long way to go. Jesus comes to give us sight. Are we seeing? Are we seeing what God sees? Jesus restores sight to the blind so we'll move toward justice and joy and peace and wholeness and hope for all God's people everywhere. Let's keep working on that. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we open our hearts to you. We commit our ways to following Jesus. We ask your forgiveness we ask your strength and courage, your powerful spirit, to show us the way toward justice and joy for all people everywhere. Following Christ our Lord. Amen.